You know, again, uh, this is the series, it really just dovetails perfectly with this idea of, of, you know, kind of leaving a legacy. This is the idea around glow, is letting our light shine. Jesus talked about letting, let your light shine so that people might see um, your good works, the goodness of our lives, and then be drawn towards God in a way that opens their hearts to him that would not have otherwise happened if they had not seen something of his reality demonstrated in the lives of the people that claim to know and love him. And, and so it does mean that the way we live our lives, even when we do it imperfectly, thankfully he did not say, you know, that they will see our perfection. He, that's not an excuse, but it's a reminder that we're all flawed and we're all at some level wounded healers. Even the best among us will always be in need of grace and only God really even knows who that is. The truth is, we need a great savior, and that's what we proclaim, the, the wonderful beauty of Christ and his ability to impact our lives. But we do want to be reflections of that. And so what we're going to be exploring these next six weeks is really how can we be better representatives of the Lord's heart. And so I want to start by having us look at a, a critical piece of scripture. It's a great piece of scripture. It's part of a, a letter that Paul writes to his young protege, Timothy, who's a young leader in the church. And and I want us to just kind of, you can follow along the Bible or in the handout right there, you can see it in 2 Timothy 1, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to read them through fairly quickly, make a comment or two along the way. Uh, Paul, an apostle, we'll start right there. What is an apostle? Someone who is uniquely sent, uh, a special representative of Jesus Christ. By the will of God, he says, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy. I'm writing this letter to Timothy, who is a beloved son. Now, he's a son to Paul. But he's not a literal son, he's not a physical son, but he's Paul's son in the faith. That is, he's someone who Paul feels deeply connected to, whose emergence as a leader is something that Paul has helped um, nurture into place. And he feels a kind of bond with him of sonship. And so even though we know Paul didn't have any natural children, in, at least it seems that way, it, but Timothy was like the son he didn't have. And he shared that love for Jesus. And it, it, it was so meaningful to Paul to have someone like this in his life. He says, my son in the faith, a beloved son, a son whom I deeply love. And then he speaks three words, these great words that he uses frequently. Um, the, the first one, you know, grace, mercy, peace. The first one, grace, being the preeminent Pauline word. I mean, you read the epistles, those letters after the Gospels, really, and, and Acts that, that Paul writes, they're filled with the concept of grace, charis in the Greek. It has to do with this idea of, of an undeserved love that we could never earn, a, a kindness that flows to us, not on the basis of what we deserve, but on the basis of the heart of the giver. It's, it's never earned. It it's only can be received, which means we have to unclutch our hands to get it. It's, you can't get a gift like this. You've got to open to receive. And, and so that's, that's the essence of grace. Then he says, mercy to you, Timothy. I give you I speak grace over your life. I love you. I speak grace over your life. I speak mercy, not just in, in the withholding of judgment, which is what it's classically we think of as mercy. You know, we don't get what we deserve is mercy. I mean, we, uh, we, the punishment that we deserve, Jesus pays it for us, right? But mercy also speaks of compassion. That's the beautiful combination of grace and mercy. Mercy is we don't get what we do deserve, the judgment we deserve, and grace is we get the love that we didn't deserve. That's how it works with God. And then he says peace. And that word there, irene, is an interesting word in the, in the original language because uh, it, it speaks of something that fits together in a whole, like all the parts fitting together as a whole. 
And that really does give us a wonderful understanding of what peace is. So, and, and by almost saying that when everything is fitting together, when all the pieces are coming together, we have peace. And when those things are not working properly, when something's either missing or something's out of place, it creates anxiety or the lack of peace. God's will for us is to be stable, is to have his peace, is to have a kind of calmness and internal alignment that allows us to just prevail through things. And when we're in, it's, he wants us to be really, honestly, not so disturbed. We live in a, a high anxiety culture. Um, the Lord said in Philippians 4 through the Apostle Paul, he said, be anxious for nothing. I don't want you to be filled with anxiety. Uh, we, man, we, we could, that's just be anxious for nothing. I mean, we, we can get anxious about all kinds of things, right? We do and can, we can and do. It could be things that are happening extraneously outside of our circle, maybe in our jobs, in the economy, in the world, in our city. It could be things happening in our relationships that cause us anxiety that are hard for us to process, people we love, things that we're feeling, what we're working through, the lack of relationships, the ones that we desire, um, the way we would desire it to be, then our own stuff inside of us that causes us unrest, our struggles, our shortcomings, our ingrained habits or our tendencies to drop back into things that don't help us at all. Sometimes we feel very powerless to fight through. That creates all kinds of internal dissonance, anxiety. God says, I, you know, I'm not giving you that kind of a spirit. I don't want that. That's not what I want for you. Be anxious for nothing, he says, but in everything by prayer, bring your case to God, supplication. Let the Lord know our heart and let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God that passes understanding, it's not manipulated by human capacity, will come to you and keep you. It will keep you. It will keep your heart and your mind. These are the two places, our emotions and our thoughts. Wow, that's where so much of the battle is won and lost, right? Right there, here in the mind. And so God wants to keep like a guard, setting a guard, a sentinel on guard duty, protecting us. That's what the Lord wants. So Paul says, grace, mercy, and peace to you, right? May the Lord give us his peace, by the way. May he help us to, to have wholeness of mind and wholeness of being. And then he says, from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our look at that verse, the end of verse 2. And he says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, that is with an honest heart and a sincere conviction, a unity of conscience, right? It's not a disunified man. As my forefathers did, he's speaking now of his Jewish heritage, the devotion of his people to the one true living God that formed the foundation of his faith that ultimately, ultimately came to fruition in the embracing of Messiah Jesus. He says, as without ceasing, Timothy, I remember you in my prayers. I do this night and day. I do it all the time is what he's basically saying. And I really do wish I could see you again. I miss you. In those days, you didn't have the ability to call someone, talk to someone. Nowadays, we can you know, FaceTime or Skype someone. I mean, whatever we can do to connect so quickly, we just take that for granted. In those days, they might say goodbye, realizing that they may never see someone again. And uh, it might be the last time they could ever talk to them, ever express their heart to them. And so goodbyes were even more challenging. And Paul says, I remember when we said goodbye, and I greatly, truly desire my son to see you again. I'm mindful of your tears. You know, Paul's in prison. He's, he in, he's in confinement. He's not sure exactly what's going to happen to him. He says, when we said our goodbyes, I look so forward to seeing you again. Look at this. That I may be filled with joy. Uh, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first. Now what he says is, look, I, 
I'm refreshed, even though it's hard to say, to think about not being able to see you again, I'm so, when I think about you and the genuineness of your faith, it makes me feel so much better. And that faith, he says, is connected. I, he goes, I need to acknowledge it's connected. And here's, here's the connection for us on this day. He goes, this faith of yours that is so genuine and real and authentic is connected to the faith of your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. He says, they have truly modeled and given you a gift and to be grateful for. Now, Timothy's physical father, his biological father, um, was a, a Greek man, and his mother and his grandmother, they were Jewish in heritage. And so Timothy was a, a bicultural in this regard. And, but he resonated with the Apostle Paul, and he, that was his spiritual father, if you will. And so Paul says all that. Now, one of the things that stands out to me then is the concept of legacy and connectedness. Paul, if you look at just those first five verses, what do we see? We see one, Paul saying, look, my faith is grounded in my ancestors' faith. It's grounded in something that goes far back. He goes, I, my the faith of my forefathers. I was given a gift, a generational gift of loving the one true God. And, and that's what has allowed me to come into the embrace of Jesus. Then he says, and Timothy, if you think about it, that's, he says, if you think about it, you have the same kind of, of, of thing as well. I mean, you're like a son to me. We're connected. And in some ways, you are a part of my legacy. And I'm connected to you, and you're connected to me at a spiritual level. And then he says, in, in the same way that you are connected to your mother and your grandmother, who, who clearly modeled for you a life, a vibrant life of faith that you now also express. So everything that Paul is saying is about connectedness. In, all, in both directions, right? And so, you know, this passage here, in, the, in your handout, you'll notice there's another longer passage, which is essentially the first five verses, and then a little bit more from the opening chapter there. But it's from a slightly different translation. The translation is from the message. It's not necessarily from the older version that we just read, but it's from a slightly more modern version, maybe not technically as accurate, but it gives a kind of nuance and feel and grit to the piece that I think is helpful when we're reading. And sometimes I'll just read the message translation um, as a way of just kind of getting a fresh look at a passage that I've read for a long time in a, in the, in a different, more, let's just say, substantial kind of translation like the New King James or the NIV or the ESV. And I know those things may not mean a lot to everybody, but the message translation is a more, almost like a, at times feels like a, it, 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 it's, it almost has a, fair, a paraphrase component to it. Now, I, it was written by, Eugene Peterson, and he was someone who I actually had a chance to sit under when I was in seminary. And I remember when he was rolling out the first, he goes, I'm working on this project, it's called The Message, and all I have written is the first book, and the first book he had written was from the book of Ephesians. He goes, I wanna share with you and you guys can tell me how you think it sounds. So I have a special connectedness to this translation. I said all that to say this, okay. <laughs> Second Timothy one, here we go. We're just gonna read it through, all right? Then I have some comments to make. I, Paul, am on a special assignment for Christ. I'm carrying out God's plan laid out in the message of life, the life of Jesus, the life by Jesus. I write this to you, Timothy, you're the son I love so much. All the best from our God and Christ may it be yours. In fact, every time I say your name in prayer, which is practically all the time, I thank God for you. I thank God, the God that I worship with my whole life in the tradition of my ancestors. You know, I miss you a lot especially when I remember the last tearful goodbye and I look forward, I so look forward to a joy-packed reunion. You know that precious memory 
that I have of our saying goodbye triggers also another memory for me, and that is this, your honest faith. And what a rich faith it is. See if we can connect here. It was a faith that was handed down from your grandmother Lois to your mother Eunice, and now to you. And the special gift of ministry that you received when I, I, I just prayed over you, I put my hands on you and I prayed for you, I want you to keep that thing ablaze in your heart. Keep it glowing, if you will. God doesn't want you to be, us to be shy with his gifts. He wants us to be bold and loving and sensible. I love the rhythm there. I love how it captures what we're supposed to be as we seek to represent the heart of Jesus. Think about this. Not, you know, bold, which means we're not afraid to represent his heart. At the same time, we don't want to, be, we don't want to come across as kooky either, right? So you have this, this great balance of don't be, you know, don't be afraid, don't be ashamed, but at the same time, seek to be sensible and, and wise in the way in which we represent the Lord's heart. And of course, let it be undergirded in love. So look how he says it. He says, you know, God wants us to be bold and loving and sensible, but not shy, but, but bold and loving and sensible. So don't be embarrassed to speak up for our master or for me. You know, let that light shine. He, he Paul says, I'm, I know, I, I'm, I'm, his, I'm a prisoner right now. That's true. But he goes, he calls himself his prisoner because he, he was in prison because of his testimony for Jesus. He says, I want you to take your share of suffering. This is interesting. Take your share of suffering for the message along with the rest of us. Whoa. We can only keep on going, after all, by the power of God. The same power who first saved us and then called us to this holy work. You know, we had nothing to do with it, really. If you really get down to it, it was all his idea. It was all God who made the first step. We just responded it was all his idea, gift prepared for us in Jesus. It was long before we knew anything about it, but, but we know it now. And since the appearance of our Savior, nothing could be plainer. Death's been defeated. That's the cross. Life has been vindicated. That's the resurrection. In a steady blaze of light, all through the work of Jesus. And, and basically what Paul is saying is, I want you to be a reflection of that great light, to become a reflection of the one that, what, Einstein called the, the luminous Nazarene, right? And he wants us to be that reflection. And so Paul goes on to say, this is the message I've been set apart to proclaim as a preacher, as an emissary, as a teacher. And it's also the cause of all the trouble I'm in. But I have no regrets. I couldn't be more sure of my ground. The one I've trusted in can take care of what he's trusted to me to do right to the end. Think about what he's saying. Is the same way that I trusted God at the beginning, I can trust him to take me through to the end. The same way that God came to me when it all started, he can come to me even now and be with me even as I'm trying to make my way. He'll be with me all the way through. Now he closes out by saying, so keep at your work, this faith and love rooted in Christ exactly as, it's, as I set it out for you. It's as sound as the day you first heard it from me. Guard this, this precious thing that has been placed in your custody by the Holy Spirit who works in you. Isn't that great? Guard this precious thing, Timothy, that's been put into your heart. It kind of reminds me of, the, of faith and um, as the kind of way that we can affect others in our faith. Let me just kind of make a couple of quick comments here around faith, the kind of faith that makes a difference and what Paul's getting at. Number one, look what he says. He says, our faith needs to be vibrant and passionate, right? He talks about the value of passionate, courageous faith. He says, keep that faith ablaze. Let it, let it stay alive in your heart. There's always going to be things that are going to challenge our love for God. 
but the power that we really ultimately have is keeping our heart warm and soft before him so that our faith is, yes, bold, but it's loving and sensible as well. But here's the thing. There are always going to be things that are going to challenge that along the way. Jesus talked about that in the parable of the sower. He talked about how there are always going to be things trying to woo us away from the Lord. The, the, the things of life, right, that, that call to us, that call us away from him. Um, the things that sometimes we have to struggle through and fight through and, and endure. You know, the trials, the tribulations of life that oftentimes challenge our faith. And the, the, even the, the, the length of the journey itself can bring a kind of weariness where we sort of lose our first love. We can be given so many gifts, and yet there is a human capacity in us all to take them for granted. That's why every now and then we need to remind ourselves sometimes of the blessings we have and sometimes it's not until we're on the verge of losing something or even having ultimately when we lose them that we begin to realize how meaningful they were to us the lord is saying keep your heart warm keep your love alive please do that don't don't allow that love to grow cold um, it can like you got to keep it warm secondly Paul says, right, not just about letting uh, the value of a vibrant faith. He says, look what he notes. He says, there's a value in having an, a genuine faith, right? An honest faith. Let your faith be genuine and authentic. Right? That, that really does speak about a true, a true version of ourselves with God. It's not something that's just wrapped in cliches and verses. It's something that faces life. And he, Paul's basically saying, let your faith be a genuine expression. In other words, I want you to be a deep soul young man. I, I, I want you not to be afraid of things. Don't be even afraid of struggle. Don't be afraid of doubt, right? Let that faith be real in you. And let it be a real expression so that people can see it. It's not about being perfect. It is, is about being authentic. Let it be genuine. Let it be a true expression of your life so that others are in a sense, impacted by it. Thirdly, he says, look at the value, in, the value of having a resilient faith. And a resilient faith is a faith that's capable of enduring and persevering. It has bounce back capacity. It can survive. It's what I call, the Lord wants to build in us a sustainable faith because in life, you and I will have pressure. And there will be times and I'm talking at a faith level, certainly it is true, just in life period, where we will feel under enormous strain, and part of us will want to run from things, part of us will want to drop back into things, part of us will want to give up, even sometimes, I know I'm going to say it, sometimes I've, you can almost feel like you just want to give up in your life with God, especially when you feel like you're, you get stuck in the same place over and over and over again. You can lose heart. And Paul's talking about a resiliency that allows us to sustain our faith. He's talking about how you can endure. Stay with it. Don't quit. Learn how to prevail. Learn how to allow those, those pressures in life to actually deepen you. Again, I talk about that deep, that depth of soul that God wants to work. I'm convinced that there are some things of depth that God cannot do apart from struggle. That is why a lot of his training that he works in our lives comes through things that are not easy. And yet God brings out of those places, often it's the place of brokenness that has the sweetest aroma. 
He was a man also of sorrow. He understood tears. He laughed and he wept. He was a fully alive human being. And he calls us into those places. We can't run from how we feel, but we need to find him in those, in those feelings and remind ourselves that we're anchored in something that is even stronger and greater than those feelings. Okay, the legacy of faith, the genuineness of it. Maybe some of us have had people in our lives like, like Timothy had. You know, Timothy was blessed because he had a, a, a mother and a grandmother who gave him a model and a, and a real genuine faith. They prayed for him. Some of us have had mothers. I have had a mother and a grandmother who loved Jesus. That was a gift to me in my life. You know, one of the real blessings that I think this church has to offer now that it didn't have, you know, 30 years earlier or 25 years earlier when I first started is, is that it has the generations present. You know, we're not just a one silo demographic. We're not just one age group. We get to have the value and the blessing of generations being together. We get to see the gift that that offers that is a very biblical thing to have to be able to have people at different life stages interacting with one another, to have people from different ethnic backgrounds exchanging life in Christ, to have us at different socioeconomic levels, different work where we work in different places, different stages in our lives, coming together to express a common love. And that is a very gratifying thing for me. And you know, in my life, I've also had another woman who has been an amazing example of what it means to have a legacy of faith. And I've watched this up close and personal. And so what I want to do with the, just the few minutes that I have, we have left here together is I want to have, uh, give you an opportunity at least to meet my, my wife and a couple of my children and to hear their take on this idea of, of a legacy of faith. So what we're going to do when they come up, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to show a quick little video and then they're going to come up and we just got a couple little things to share together. All right, so we'll do something a little bit different. Let's go ahead and do that. Let's go back to that little place where we used to go in the summer days. Hey. All right. Hey. <laughs> so um, this is my, uh, my oldest son, who I'm quite proud of. It's Caleb. He, he's our oldest. This is my youngest daughter, our youngest daughter, Aubrey. And that's the youngest son, Jacob. And that's my wife, um, 31 years, Cheryl there. And one of our oldest daughter isn't, isn't here. She's in Africa, that's Chloe. She's there with her husband teaching in Ghana, actually. But uh, I wanted to ask you, Caleb, when we were talking about legacy of faith and we wanted to give you guys a chance to just kind of share how, really, uh, your mother's example of, of her, her love for the Lord over the years has impacted you now as an adult in terms of how you follow Jesus. First of all, thanks, Dad. This is a great idea. Um, <laughs> Can't go wrong. Um, <laughs> well, when my dad, you know, proposed this question to me um, a few days ago, I had the chance to really to think about it, and um, I, I, a verse came to mind. Um, it was John thirteen thirty four to thirty five, um, and in this, basically, you know, Jesus says to his disciples a, a commandment, and he says, "Love one another as I have loved you." And, you know, the way that you guys love each other. You know, that's how people will really know that you're my disciples. And, you know, for my mom, I feel like there's a, a, that verse really characterizes her faith, right? Um, it's, it, her faith is not, you know, it, it manifests itself not in, um, you know, doing some, like, sort of rule following um, or, you know, some sort of, you know, rigorous intellectual debate. It's more of, like, 
a heart that is full of grace. It's a, it's a heart that yearns after God, you know, a soul that's really generated by love. And I see that in the way that she sacrifices for each of us. I see it in how she's dedicated um, and loyal to my dad and, you know, how she's committed uh, to this church and to the family uh, of this church. And um, for me, it's just, yeah, it's made a lasting imprint. Um, but I mean, <clears throat> I really don't want this all to be about, you know, just how great my mom is, even though I think she's a really, you know, pretty great person. Um, I, I, I think I want to make sure that this time really sheds light on the fact that, you know, the, the way in which she followed Jesus, um, it was in such a way that made it seem, you know, desirable to me. It's something that I saw and I was like, you know, I want that in my life. And I, I felt that, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be the same without it. And, um, you know, people that follow Jesus are different and they, you know, are, are better off for it in the end. Um, and it kind of leads me back, you know, she, she is a little different. So uh, to go back to my mom, I know that I said I didn't want to talk about her all the time, but this is Mother's Day, so I'm going to do it anyways. Um, one thing that really stands out to me about her is her ability to get people to open up to her. Um, if you know my mom or if you've been uh, lucky enough to sit in a room with her for over five minutes, um, you'll realize that you begin to, to share things pretty easily. And I think, you know, this willingness to share with her comes out of you know, a, a very real aspect of my mom, which is she really genuinely cares about people. Uh, and this, this type of care comes from the Lord. I really do believe that. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, following Christ and, and loving others, that's what you want us to do. So, uh, you know, when, when, when you pass away, right, and it, I, I don't want to bring the mood down, but, you know, my relationship with Christ will still remain. And in a way, your legacy will live on. That was very, very good. Um, so I want to talk about my mom. She's the woman I look up to. She is a great example of a woman in Christ. And I picked out two words that describe her and our relationship. And the first one is selflessness. Um, as many of you know, I play soccer up in Sacramento. And I've been playing for almost 15 years. She's driven me around to practices and tournaments for almost 12 years. And I, I wouldn't be playing probably without you. Just all the time you poured out and you've shown the love to me. It's, it's awesome. Um, and the second word is compassion. Um, when I went up to college, I really experienced life. And my mom let me experience life. They didn't hold me back. They let me do my own thing. And sometimes when we do our own thing, we, we really get hurt. And we experience pain and suffering. But my mom was always there for me, told me, you know, God has a plan for you. Like, he loves you. He'll always be there for you. He's forgiving, you know, no matter what you do. You know, he's always going to be there for you. And she's, he's always, she's always told me that, and I, it's always stuck with me. So that's one thing I'll always remember. I'm really grateful for that. Thank you, Alex. <clears throat> you no, know, like Ari was saying, um, we could talk all day. Mom is so selfless. We can go into that one forever. Uh, she loves people. She's an extraordinary woman. Uh, another thing about her, too, is she, she has the ability to persevere through a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, raising four kids can be, you have to have some perseverance to do that. I was an angel. Um, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> I was the worst by far. Um, 
she has the ability to just go through things. Um, I mean, every family's not perfect. And, you know, even as a pastor's family, we are going through things uh, through different stages of life. And she's been able to have this extraordinary endurance, but she also has a great attitude about it. Um, and I think that's something that resonates with me because if I'm going through something, I just, my attitude sometimes just, it just tightens up and I don't really want to really share or do much. She was always so loving, so caring, um, even during difficult times. And that's something that is truly uh, inspiration for all of us personally. I think we all are trying to do that more because of you. And it's also another thing too, where you are a very godly woman. Uh, I know it could be cliche sometimes, right? Pastor's wife, godly, okay. But <laughs> the thing about it is that's a sincere, genuine faith. And that's just, you can't fake that. Uh, even since I was little, uh, I used to wake up like eight years old, better. eight years old, and I'll get out of bed early in the morning, go to school, right? And I'm walking down the hallway Wednesdays, and the first recollection of someone spending time with God, devotion time, wasn't my dad. It was actually my mom. <laughs> and she, and I would hear her pray in my dad's study office. And I just remember kind of like, what's, like, what's going on in here as a little kid? But that idea of spending time with God, especially because you give so much. Um, you guys all know she does the toast. She just loves it. Um, <laughs> she's a giver, and she gives life to people. And a big reason why is because she spends so much time with the Lord. And she's able to receive from Christ and give to others. I'm a naturally selfish person at, at, at many points in my life. But that quality is something that I've always tried to <clears throat> bring into my own life. Spend time with God. Spend time with him so I can give so I can not be so selfish. And so that's something about her that is extraordinary, has been a blessing for me. She also is a big foodie. Because I love eating food, so it's perfect, because we go on Yelp, we go on Yelp together, and we'll look it up. Oh, what food is that? She has a great, awesome, adventurous personality. And it is really fun being around her. So she's an overall, just an extraordinary, very beautiful woman, inside and out, and her godly character really resonates through every single one of her qualities that she has. And so that's what we love about you, Mom. All right. Thank you, JP. Appreciate that. <laughs> and and um, I mentioned our, our oldest daughter, Chloe, is in Africa right now. But she wanted, she heard about what we were doing, and she wanted to send a very quick little, little uh, note from, from Ghana, Africa. So here it is. My mom's example of following Jesus really affected me, especially during my teen years. It was during those teen years that I really wanted a role model to follow, and that role model became my mom. Her relationship with the Lord was so evident, and it mainly showed up in the way she served others. Her self-sacrifice, humility, and kindness allowed me to see Christ in a tangible way. Even today, as an adult, maybe even more so now that I'm a preschool teacher, she reminds me of what sacrifice and humility looks like and that it is possible to emulate Christ in this way. My mom has always been and will continue to be my role model and one of my closest friends. I love you, Mom, and I love you, Cornerstone family. <laughs> Bye. That's my Chloe Joe. So, you know, what I, again, the, the reasoning here is we talk about legacy of faith and what it means to leave a mark, to make a, a difference, in, even in our imperfections. If we're an authentic 
loving representative of Jesus, we try to cultivate a place from in our lives, it shows up. You know, and, and I, I've said this before, but uh, you know, Cheryl and I started, it's hard to believe, we started pastoring here uh, when we were both 25 years old, right? And uh, there would not be cornerstone. Uh, whatever good we, we get to do in the name of Jesus, whatever difference we've made in people's lives, there would be no cornerstone as we know it if it wasn't for her. That's, that's the truth. That's not hyperbole. That's the authentic truth. And so uh, I asked her if she could just share real quickly on some thought relating to this idea of legacy and, and just whatever was on her heart around it. So go ahead and do that, Cheryl. First of all, this, it feels very overwhelming you know, to hear um, my husband and my children you know, talk, about, <laughs> talk about me. It's, it, it's very humbling because I think I'm probably more aware of my own shortcomings and my own you know, uh, failures. And so, you know, to hear that, I can only, honestly, I can only say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, you know, that he's been at work um, in our family. Really, it's a, it's, it's a testament of his grace, honestly. So, you know, when I was thinking about um, this message that my husband was uh, teaching this morning about leaving a legacy of faith, you know, I thought about uh, my own life. And I did not grow up in a, a Christian home. Um, my parents now, my mom, my dad, and my stepmom, they're actually now Christ followers, so that's really exciting now. But when I was growing up, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So I really didn't have, you know, a role model. I really didn't know what that looked like um, to be in a Christian home or even how to, to even create that. And so when Terry and I got married um, and uh, I had started having children, you know, really... The, the love of God that apprehended me when I was 17 years old, that was the kind of love that I go, that's the kind of love I want to fill my home. I was 17 years old, and he just apprehended me. And I, the way that I saw my life, the way that I saw myself really changed, you know, when the Lord came into my life. So I wanted that to be the part of the culture of my, my home. So, you know, just like when you decorate your home, you know, you have ideas of this is what it's going to look like. And, you know, our home, we have books and we have art and, and there's kind of this, you know, theme that we have going on. But I, I think it's just as important to be able to have a theme of your home, just your culture. And that really takes some thought, you know, to be intentional. And so I, I did. I, I, I said, Lord, you know, help me to kind of create this culture. What do I want to see in, in the kids? and in, in um, my family. And there was a, a, some things that I really did feel on my heart that I wanted to see. I wanted, that, I wanted them to be able to see the love of God. Um, I wanted to, them to be able to see it genuinely lived out in, in our lives, you know, flaws and all, um, but that it's genuine, that God's available for them as, as well. I wanted them to be able to uh, have safety, to make mistakes, um, I wanted them to be able to ask any question. No question was off limits. We can talk. Let's have conversation. We like to do that. Um, I wanted them to be adventurous. You kind of mentioned the adventures. Where I, I love experiencing new things, so I take them along with my adventures. Um, you know, but I really wanted them to be able to, to have this fullness of life and to really see that um, it's the Lord that has, has really given us this, this kind of blessing. You know, so, okay, 
that all said and done, it's easier actually said than done. Because really, in being able to, to do that, it's hard work. I'm telling you, it's hard work. And I'll tell you, there's some things that I've, I've done right, but I'll tell you, that there's a lot of things that I, I haven't done right. You know, I've made my share of mistakes. They probably could share some of those stories too, no, they're but, they're, <laughs> <laughs> but they're not going to, not, not this time around. But, um, you know, and it's just, it, it, I, could just, I could just remember, sometimes I would just tell God, this is hard. This is really difficult. How do you expect me to? I can't even believe that you entrusted these four lives into my hands. You know, how am I supposed to do this? And he really reminded me, that's exactly right. That's exactly how I designed it. You're not going to be able to do this on, the, on your own. You're going to need me. You need me to help you. You need me to, to be invited in to building your home. So it's really, that's why I have to really say, when I hear what I hear, I go, that's God's grace all over it. I think of the scripture. Um, it's found in Joshua 24, 15. Uh, it says, choose this day whom you shall serve. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And that really has become the template for myself uh, to leave a spiritual legacy for my children. It starts with me. It starts with us. We all leave a legacy, don't we? It doesn't matter if you're a mother, a father. If you are here, you're leaving something behind for somebody. And so it's a reminder for us. The best thing that we could ever do is to leave a legacy of faith is if, of saying, I'm an imperfect person. Um, who has been loved by an incredibly amazing, gracious God. And hopefully other people want to see that and have that too. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Oh, hey. So, so again, you know, uh, besides just getting a little chance to, to see the family I always talk about, but the idea is we can't give away what isn't within us, right? So the Lord, if we're going to give away something vibrant, or something that's alive. If we want to give Jesus in some way to others, we need to cultivate a special place from in our own heart. And so that's, that's so important. And, uh, and the other thing is God can redeem our mistakes. And that's what he does. So we can't change what was. We can do a whole lot about what is and what is yet to be by the choices we make. So let me pray. We'll have our closing time of giving and our closing song. But Lord, I thank you because so much of what we're trying to talk about here has to do with the idea of legacy of faith. It has to do with this idea of of letting that faith live on in the, in the way in which we engage life. And again, I know a lot of life is, is hard sometimes, or maybe some of it's not what we wanted it to be, which we could change certain things. But there's sometimes also, Lord, when we clearly see your goodness all around us. And I just pray that you continue to work in our lives, continue to allow more of your life to flow through us, give us a greater depth of soul, a greater life in you. I ask this blessing, may it shine out to others in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.